So with three weeks to go until Christmas, Christmas movie watching season has officially begun. Uh, hopefully you have had a chance to see at least one of your holiday favorites. Yes, everybody's at least watched one or two. Okay, good. Preferably more. Uh, th- there is a must-see list that the Dowd household works through in November and December every year. Um, at this point, I've only watched two, which is make, puts me way behind schedule. But uh, the older the kids get, the tougher it is to, to work around everybody's activities. I got started on the day after Thanksgiving uh, when there was a, a marathon on one of the TV stations of my favorite movie of all time, uh, It's a Wonderful Life. And seriously, how could it not be my favorite movie of all time? It's the story of George Bailey's redemption from despair through divine intervention. I mean, listen, that's, that's, I love those kind of stories. The movie opens in heaven and ends with an angel getting its wings. Hello, how could it not be my favorite movie? And I have no, I have no idea how many times I've seen it, but uh, it has the same emotional impact on me every time that I do. Uh, all great stories are like that, I think. And for me, uh, there is no season of the year quite like Christmas for these kinds of stories. We've also um, already watched Elf for the first time. This is our annual tradition while we're putting up the Christmas tree. That movie's 20 years old next, week, next year, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with that. I looked it up. Um, although it does admittedly uh, slow down Christmas-free decorating, right? Because there are scenes with, that we all have to stop down and sit down and watch together. These are the scenes that we quote year-round at random times, uh, which brings a smile to my face. Buddy the Elf, what's your favorite color? Like, there's all, I, I could do that all morning. I imagine that all of us uh, have a list of Christmas movies and TV specials that are simply part of the season for us at at this time. Uh, My family's list includes Polar Express, some of y'all may like that one, and um, the Prep and Landing specials on Disney Plus. Those are awesome. If you've never seen them, check them out. And then, you know, there are the classics, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, Frosty the Snowman, A Charlie Brown Christmas, obviously. I personally love Arthur Christmas. I don't know if anybody else has seen Arthur Christmas. Um, I have been lobbying to get it on the must-see list for the Dowds for a while. Whitney and the boys are, are unconvinced at this point, but I'm not going to give up on that because it's awesome. And what, what strikes me about um, all of the, the classic uh, beloved Christmas movies and TV specials uh, that, is that they tend to follow this, this set motif, um, which is that the main character is typically longing for something that they lack. Have you noticed this? For example, George Bailey has been restless his whole life, longing for something bigger, something more, something beyond his hometown of Bedford Falls. And it takes the the intervention of his guardian angel for him to realize just how blessed he is by family and friends and that he is, in fact, living a, a meaningful and wonderful life. As silly as uh, the movie Elf is, uh, the main character, Buddy, actually faces a very real and pretty common crisis. He feels like he doesn't fit in anywhere, that he doesn't know uh, who he truly is. And so he, he goes off on this journey of discovery to figure it out, which he does in the end with the help of family and friends and, of course, Christmas magic. Think of the, of the similar existential crises faced by Rudolph and by Charlie Brown, uh, by Scott Calvin in The Santa Claus, if you like that one, and to some extent, Kevin in Home Alone. And I'm sure that this is not true 100% of the time, having never seen 
anything on the Hallmark Channel, for example. <laughs> I can't talk to that entire genre at all. Um, but I think the chances are of the beloved Christmas movies and TV specials that are part of your holiday traditions, chances are and that there's often this, this common theme of people longing for something that they lack. I mean, even this guy. <laughs> even this guy is longing for that sense of nostalgia and tradition that comes with hosting a fun old-fashioned family Christmas, right? Christmas vacations also on the Dowd family viewing list, the must-see list, but only the TV version. We have to have the sanitized version in our house. And I wonder if, if part of the reason that Christmas movies and Christmas TV specials are so much a part of our holiday experiences because they, they tell stories that resonate so deeply with us. It's not just about the nostalgia of having watched these movies and specials over and over again. I personally believe that every human being uh, has a sense of, of longing that pulls at them, a sense of, of something missing, of something more, of some, some need that is all fulfilled, uh, is, that is unfulfilled. And I think we all know that sometimes, uh, and maybe, maybe it's fair to say often, we try to fulfill that, that longing within us with things that are not, in fact, the answer. I mean, the truth is that for, for Christians, there is ultimately uh, only one answer to our deepest need. In the words of, of St. Augustine, our hearts are restless until they rest in you, O God. So on the second Sunday of Advent, I wonder uh, how many of us here today are still restless in some way. Well, this is week two of our Advent sermon series, Heavenly Peace. That's a title that often, that obviously comes from our closing hymn on Christmas Eve, Silent Night. And throughout the season, what we're focusing on is the message of Matthew's gospel, which is that in Christ, God is with us in a, in a way that God simply was not before. And last week, we read from the prophet Isaiah. We talked about the expectation of a Messiah in the centuries leading up to the birth of Jesus. This week, we're going to talk about that expectation's fulfillment. And we're going to be reading from Matthew's gospel. Um, we're going to read chapter 1, verses 18 to 25. This is the recommended gospel lectionary text for the fourth Sunday of Advent, but we're going to um, read it now. So listen, friends, for the word of God as it is proclaimed by God's servant the evangelist Matthew. Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, but he had no marital relations with her until she had borne a son, and he named him Jesus. This is the word of God for the people of God. 
Thanks be to God. So you, you may know that of the, of the four Gospels, um, only two tell us anything about Jesus' birth. Um, in Mark, which is the earliest of the four to have been written, the story of Jesus begins with his baptism. And John, which is the, the last of the Gospels to have been written, begins in the beginning, just like the book of Genesis does. And then it jumps ahead to Jesus' baptism. So that only, only Matthew and Luke tell us about his birth. And the passage that we just read is all that Matthew tells us, uh, at least until the wise men show up on the scene, which is sometime later. Which means that, that most of us, um, when we think of the story of Christ's birth, we, we probably have in mind Luke's account of the story. That's the one that we read Christmas Eve every year, after all. And Luke um, has far more material leading up to the story of that first Christmas. He tells the story of, of Zechariah and Elizabeth and their child, who will become John the Baptist. He tells us about the Annunciation to Mary from the angel Gabriel. He tells us about the Magnificat, Mary's great song. In fact, we probably think most of Mary during this season because Luke's more familiar account of Jesus' birth is very focused on Mary. It's only in Matthew's year in the lectionary cycle, which is this year, uh, that we really get to hear much about Joseph, and we actually don't hear from Joseph at all. Matthew does not tell us anything that Joseph says. Instead, we're told what Joseph does, which is to act faithfully and righteously and with a, a tremendous amount of confidence in both Mary and the angel from the Lord that appears to him in the dream. And not just that, Joseph acts specifically in accordance with the scriptures that had been prophesied uh, in the Old Testament that prophesied the birth of the Messiah. And it's the, a theological emphasis throughout Matthew's gospel, in fact, how, how Jesus is the fulfillment of Old Testament scriptures, even, even as God does something new in the world. And here at the very beginning of his gospel, in the story of the birth of the Messiah, Matthew cites the text from Isaiah that we read last week. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel which means God is with us. It's the, it's the fulfillment of the prophecy of the Messiah, which means for us that it is the answer to the longing in every human heart and soul. For my own Advent devotional this year, I'm, I'm reading a, a book by James Howell called Why This Jubilee? Advent Reflections on the Songs of the Season. And in, in, in one of this week's readings, uh, he talks about this, this charming tradition from the medieval era that I didn't know until I, I read his little devotional on it. Now, it is not biblical at all, mind you, uh, but it certainly captures the, the enormity of the moment that God entered into the world uh, to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. It was believed during the medieval era that when Jesus was born, a hush fell over all the earth for an entire hour. <laughs> that all of creation paused in recognition of the prophecy that had been fulfilled. That the, the cattle stopped their lowing. That there was no rump-a-pum-pum from the little drummer boy. That the hooves of the occupying soldiers' horses' feet were still and that the soldiers themselves fell silent because human and animal alike, according to this tradition, realized somewhere deep, somewhere hidden, 
somewhere they, they could not quite name or fully understand, human and animal alike realized that in Christ, God had done a new thing. That because of the birth of the baby who had been named Jesus to signify what would be his great work in the world, nothing would ever be the same again. When Jesus was born, uh, a hush fell over all the earth for an hour as creation contemplated the answer that God had given to our deepest longing. I love that. As I say, that tradition is not at all biblical. But it is based on the theology of this time of year. (laughs) Advent is the season that, that reminds us what it is that we're waiting for, what it is that we need. What we lack is is peace. And sometimes that's true in our individual lives, whether because of conflict with family and friends or because of an untreated addiction or because of economic insecurity or some medical challenge that we're facing or someone we love is facing or because of grief over someone we've lost. Whatever's going on in our individual lives, we lack peace in our nation. We have this constant barrage of stories about mass violence and intolerance and hatred and rising anti-Semitism. At times we can't even agree on simple facts and so many people see everything through a partisan lens. And then beyond our nation, we certainly lack peace in our world. The war in Ukraine, the struggle for women's rights in Iran, the struggle for human rights in China and so many other places around the world. That's just the beginning of the list that we could roll through right now. And underneath all of these external challenges, every human being has a sense of spiritual longing that pulls at them, a sense of something missing, something more, some need that is unfulfilled. And while we all know that that sometimes maybe all too often, we try to fulfill that longing with things that are not, in fact, the answer. Our faith tells us that there is ultimately only one answer to our deepest need. Friends, the great good news of this season is that because God is with us in Jesus Christ, heavenly peace can be ours. The peace that, according to the Apostle Paul, passes all understanding. All we have to do is open ourselves to receive it. May we do so during this season of waiting. Amen.